The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside still waters. Thank you for joining Beside Still Waters podcast with Christian Javois. Beside Still Waters is the moment in our day when we seek stillness in God's presence, guidance from the Word of God, and grace to live by faith. This is the moment when we view horizontal living from the divine perspective. For the eyes of Jehovah run to and fro through the whole earth to show himself strong in the behalf of those whose heart is perfect toward him. Now here's today's message. We hope it will be a blessing. God's people walk out the scriptures in a way to bring the the personal relationship with God and make it personal. Make it personal. We often say and ask people, do you have a personal relationship with our Lord Jesus Christ? Have you accepted Christ as your personal Savior? Where I believe God's people are struggling is in the day-to-day walk with God. And that was my desire as a young Christian, and God had placed that on my heart. And to this day, that desire is still there. It took a while for me to, to know from God, why, why have you placed me here? And many years ago, it became clear to encourage God's people to walk with God. How to make that a personal uh, experience, if you will. And so this morning, we're going to be looking at quite a few scripture. uh, But I want you to turn, uh, there are going to be two scriptures we'll we'll start out with. And one is in in, uh, Hebrews chapter 11. And and we will end with Hebrews chapter 11. uh, Because we will find some interesting, noteworthy events. However, verse 5. Hebrews 11, by faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him. Pay attention to this. For before his translation, he has the testimony that he pleased God. He pleased God. This one statement, one phrase tells me one thing. It is possible for any blood-bought Christian indwelt by the Spirit of God, one, to know I am in the will of God and being in the will of God that my life pleases Him. Let us not confuse it with Perfection. Perfection. This is not perfection. This is a cognitive awareness that I am walking with God. And the scriptures gives us much light about that. And we'll we'll, we'll scratch the surface this morning. Second example we find in Luke chapter (laughs) 5. And this is our typical experience. In Luke chapter 5, it says... Verse 1, it came to pass as the crowd pressed on him to hear the word of God that he was standing by the lake Genesaret, and he saw two ships standing by the lake, but the fishermen, having come down from them, were washing their nets. And getting into one of the ships, which was Simon's, he asked him to draw out a little from the land, 
and he sat down and taught the crowds out of the ship. But when he ceased speaking, he said to Simon, draw out into the deep, deep water and let down your nets for a haul. And Simon answering said to him, Master, having labored through the whole night, we've taken nothing, but at thy word, I will let down the net. And having done this, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes and their net broke and they beckoned to their partners who were in the other ship to come and help them. And they came and filled both ships so that they were sinking. But Simon, and this is the phrase I want you to look at, Simon, seeing it, fell down at Jesus' knees saying, depart from me for I am a sinful man. Seeing it. In the original languages, Simon was watching this thing unfold before him. Marveling. The scripture says they were astonished. But the Spirit of God focused on Simon and his eyes watching this thing happen before him. And I want you to take note of it. Simon is a clear representation of so many of us. Logic. Human experience. <laughs> and all of the factors come into play at the command of the Lord Jesus, because when we are given a command, whatever the command is, it comes face to face with our experience, our knowledge, our know-how, what we think is best, what we think is wisest. And we need to remember that the scripture says concerning the ways that God thinks, his thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways are not our ways. In fact, what God does is contrary to logic, contrary to reason. And when he calls us to obedience, it feels strange, uncomfortable. And so when he challenged Peter, just by saying, let the nets down, it is important for us in our walk with God to pay attention to exactly what the scriptures say. Why? Well, in this instance, he and they were listening to the word of God being taught. They were in the presence of the master himself. And you and I have the same opportunity when we, in, our, in the privacy of our homes, open the word of God and ask God to speak to us. We have that opportunity. We have that privilege. And when that was done, now came for Peter the point of obedience. Let the nets down. Do you think our Lord Jesus was unaware of what they struggled with all night? I say no. But listen, listen to Peter's response. <laughs> Jesus says, draw into the deep and let your nets down for a haul. So there was a place you needed to go, and there was an action you needed to take. This is us. This is me. <laughs> Simon answering him said, Master, having labored through the whole night. <laughs> what is he saying? We tried that already. <laughs> I can't tell you how many times I have said to God in prayer and reasoned with him, about my efforts. 
the Lord permitting, I'll make a quick left turn. I said to a friend of mine just last week, they said, you know, you should, you should write a book about answered prayer. And I confessed to them. I said, I'm working on it, but I don't know if I should publish it because I'm embarrassed. Why am I embarrassed? Because you begin to see all the circumstances under which I called on God to help me. And they weren't the traditional type of circumstances. And I was fearful that people would say, you prayed about that? <laughs> but it is what I learned about the nature of God. That everything that comes into our lives is allowed of God to put our faith to the test. To prove that we're willing to trust him where we cannot trace him. To validate for ourselves, as it said in, in, in 2 Chronicles 14, the eyes of Jehovah search the whole earth to show himself strong in the behalf of those whose hearts are perfect towards him. God is searching the earth for people who are willing to look to him and him alone to intervene in their circumstances. And so Peter could say, we labored all night. And look at the results. We caught nothing. But that's not what I want to focus on before we go on. <laughs> At thy word, I will let down the net. <laughs> that's what we do. That's what I do. I filter down obedience to what I think it should be. But God is gracious. Oh, God is gracious because he doesn't withhold his goodness. He doesn't hold it back. And you ask, why would God answer my prayer even when I filter it down a bit? It's right here in the narrative. <laughs> and having done this, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes their net broke. They beckoned to their partners. The ship was sinking. But here it is. Peter, seeing it, fell at Jesus' knees saying, depart from me. Depart from me. Here is the point. Here is the key. Here is the essence when we respond in faith and obedience, two things we will always learn. We will learn a little more about what God is really like. And we will see ourselves. We'll see ourselves. I... You'll see yourself. I was in between jobs for about two months. When they let me go just back in August, <laughs> human resource person was apologetic, <laughs> you know, because I was there eight months and here they are. They have to let us, let quite a few of us go. And I have to tell you, I walked into that meeting praising God. <laughs> I was happy. I'll tell you why. Because I've lived long enough to know that God is in it. And this cannot touch me unless it has passed through the filter of his I walked in there, sat down. <laughs> they were beginning to apologize. I stopped them. I said, stop, stop, stop. Literally, I said, stop, stop, stop. <laughs> stop. And I'm smiling. I said, this is not my first rodeo. 
my mind. I said, this is America. I'll be fine. There's a God. I'll be just fine. The woman, two of them, they looked at me and said, I wish I had that attitude. I said, don't worry about me. And they said to me, anything you want to tell us? And this is true. I was warming up my lunch before they called me. And I was so foolish. I said, can I finish my lunch? <laughs> and they looked at me like, and I said, I am so sorry. I think I'll just take my lunch and go home. And I got in my car and I praised God on the way home. And I told him, I said, from everything I learned in the scriptures, you want me to learn something? I said, Lord, I'm all yours. I'm all yours. I began the, 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 the resume sending out. And I looked at my bank account. And then Satan mocked me. You think that's going to last? And I said, Lord, you, I belong to you. I belong to you. You are the same one that said to Joseph when Joseph spoke to his brothers, God sent me ahead that you would not be impoverished. I said, Lord, I'm standing on your word. I'm not afraid. I challenged the enemy. I said, I'm not afraid. I will be just fine. Got an interview. And <laughs> I lie not. I said, Lord, I know you have this for me. So I'm just going to go into that interview rejoicing. And on my way there, it was a sunny day. Well, the night before, I tell you how God works. We talk about faith being tested. I tell you the story so that you know it's not only Bible, it's real. God is real. He's a very present help in time of trouble. That night on my knees, I said, oh, God. When Mordecai's death was being planned, <laughs> you gave sleeplessness to the king that he would open the rolls <laughs> and see what this man has done. I said, Lord, put it in the heart of the woman to look at my name so she could see my testimony <laughs> and know what she's going to hire. I said, give her sleeplessness tonight. The next morning, I'm driving to the interview. The sun was shining. It was a pretty day. And the thought floated into my mind. Tell the interviewer, <laughs> it's so good that COVID is behind us. Now we can interview in person. And I thought, oh, that's a good thought. Drove into the interview, waiting for the woman to come. She walked up. We're walking to the conference room, distance from here to the piano. I said, oh, by the way, I called her by name. I said, it's such a pleasure that I can interview in person since COVID had. Before I could finish the statement, she looked around and she said, well, you passed the first test. And I'm looking at her. I said, what do you mean? She, and then she told me the story. And I said in my heart, look at God, gets better. We sat down to speak and we're talking about whatever we're talking about on the interview. I don't know what I said. And she said, yeah, I was a little restless last night, so I looked at your, your profile, and I'm thinking, on the inside, my jaw was like, and I said, look at God. Why do I say that? Because the scripture tells us that Jesus said to this man, let your nets down. The scripture tells me, Psalm 50, call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you. You will glorify me. 
Here I am telling you the story. Glory to God. Gets better. What is important here is faith. Not just faith. Faith and obedience are wedded together. Faith and obedience go together. Faith and obedience is evidenced by action. Action. When God gives a command, it necessitates faith that we believe that what he says he will do, he will do. And what we are called to do, we must do. And put it together, and you see someone obeying the scriptures, faith and action must go together. They're twins. They're twins. James says, for example, in James 1, cut it all joy when you encounter various trials. Why do people complain? Why do Christians complain? Why do we think that God is not in it? <laughs> because we lack faith. We cannot see the hand of God in our trials. We cannot believe that if God loves us, why would he allow this? <laughs> oh, my dear brethren. God wants a faith that is lively and rich. Look at the Gospels. We don't even have time to go through it. How many times has he said, your faith has made you whole? Do you think I could do this? Great is your faith, woman. The woman, the Canaanite woman who said, who came before him and said, my daughter has a demon. And she cried unto him and cried unto him. He even told her, I'm not sent to you. I'm sent to the nation of Israel. She said, yeah, Lord. And she continued. And the disciples said, tell let, let us send her away. And then he called her a dog. <laughs> he said, I'm not sent to you. Don't give the children's bread to dogs. And sometimes God, in the midst of our trials, he, he, he appears to be insensitive, hard, callous, unhearing. <laughs> But what God is doing is proving our faith that we will persist, that we will stand on his promises. And he could tell this woman when she said, yes, I'm a dog, but the same dogs eat the crumbs that the children drop. <laughs> and the Lord Jesus turns to her and said, woman, great is your faith. You have your request. And the scripture said that hour the demon left. She didn't even need to see it. The spirit of God is saying to us that God answers prayer even when we don't see the results. We may not see it come to pass, but God is at work. Romans 8 and 13. Paul writing to the church at Rome says <laughs> that we put to death the deeds of the flesh by the spirit. That requires faith and obedience. When we are fighting a temptation, for example, the temptation feels real. It's real. When someone insults us, we're angry. We want to retaliate. We want vengeance. When the scripture says, vengeance is mine, I will repay. To be able to step back and yield to God requires faith. How so? Because if God says, leave them alone, I'll take care of this. What do we do? All right. I can't tell you how many times people have stepped on my toes. Hard too. Some, I've lived to see. I wanted vengeance. But I said, Lord, vengeance is your real estate. <laughs> That's what he said. Vengeance is mine. 
And when I take it, I am robbing God of what belongs. I said, all right, you know what they did to me? They belong to you. And you know what he instructed me to do? What Matthew's gospel said? To pray for your enemies. I was talking to my sister once and she brought, up, brought that up some years ago. She said, well, how do I pray for my enemies? I said, it's very simple. I said, you get on your knees and you said, Lord, bless them. Bless them in such a way that their cup overflows, that their bank account is full, that their flocks are just, just pushing out babies. I mean, I'm telling her and she's laughing. And I said, no, I'm very serious. <laughs> bless them. Keep blessing them. I said, when I get on my knees, I see them in my heart. And I said, oh, God, touch them by my prayer. They're my enemies. And when they see me, I greet them like nothing ever happened. I remember one sister, oh, she was so mean. <laughs> and I was praying that God would bless her. I didn't see it, but every time I visit the church, she had some little dig, some little insult. And one day I walked into the church, my heart was happy. I saw her, I was like, sis, how you doing? Mwah. Woman looked at me like I was a ghost, like I was Swedish and blonde. <laughs> but I was happy. <laughs> oh, I gave glory to God. She didn't know, but my heart, the, the burden was gone. <laughs> I could rejoice because I found that the word of God is true. <laughs> oh, it goes on. Abiding in Christ. These are just examples. John 15. Abide in me. My word abide in you. You shall ask what you will. You know what he's saying? Make me your priority. <laughs> Many of us want from God a rich experience of the presence and power of God, but our lives are paltry of his presence. We don't have time. We got time for football and our brother mentioned the tree or whatever it is in Times Square. I tell you the truth, I was in Times Square some years ago for the ball dropping. I always wanted to know what that was like. Beloved, we were so wise like sardines. I wanted to pee and I couldn't pee. <laughs> the, the hotel was like three blocks away. I could see the hotel. I didn't know if I would make it to the hotel in dry pad. And you can't move. Every five minutes you wait. That feeling for my wallet all the time. Times Square. I said, I'd never do that again. <laughs> Bucket list. No, sorry. I digress. What is the point? Faith and obedience go together. Always. Case in point. Second Chronicles chapter 14. King Asa. King Asa. And Asa, verse 2, did what was good and right in the sight of Jehovah. There it is. Did what was right. And he took away the altars of the strange gods and the high places and broke down the columns, cut down the Asherahs, and commanded Judah to seek Jehovah, the God of their fathers, and to practice the law and the commandments. And he removed out of all of the cities of Judah the high places and the sun images, and the kingdom was quiet before him. So he is getting what we often want, blessing. We associate blessing with obedience, and that is a right association. It is not necessarily the standard, and you will see why, but it is a correct conclusion to draw that if I am focused on pleasing God in such a way that I'm attending to his word and seeking to order my life so that it pleases him, 
I should expect a measure of peace. And God does very often grant it. Nothing wrong with it. Verse 6, And he built the fortified cities in Judah, for the land had rest, and he had no war in those years, because Jehovah had given him rest. Okay? Now, let's just pause a couple of caveats. In our culture today, people are not associating wealth with obedience. They're just associating wealth with faith. If you trust in God, you will be healthy and wealthy. Not correct. But <laughs> if you trust in God and are seeking to obey him, it is his option to give you rest, peace, and if necessary, bless you. But the blessing is for the benefit of somebody else. Not for your own personal consumption. Only. Mark that. We'll come back to that if time permits. Verse 7. And he said to Judah. Pay attention. Let us build these cities and surround them with walls and towers and gates and bars while the land is yet before us. For, here it is. We have sought Jehovah our God. We have sought him and he has given us rest on every side. And they built and prospered. So here it is again. The Christian should know if that Christian is in the will of God. I hear people say, how do I know what the will of God is? It's very simple. If you get familiar with the book, you will see the things that don't please God and you step away from those and the things that do please him, you immerse yourself into those. You do them and you will know what the will, what the will of God is. But it gets better. The spirit of God who lives in the Christian witnesses with his spirit you are in the center of God's will. I cannot tell you how many times I bowed my knees and prayed to God and separated with fasting and the Spirit of God gave witness. Oh, sometimes I just feel good. Why? Because I know I'm in the will of God from the Word of God. I know that I'm seeking the presence of God and I know within my own heart I want to do the will of God. And when all those three are coming together nicely, the spirit witnesses within my spirit, good son. That's what a father does. Good son. I did it with my boys. They got a little crazy later on. But they're good tax-paying sons now. Good son, good boy. And the witness of the spirit becomes our companion, assuring us, but it gets better. This man had insight. You see, if you want to know, like when I was driving to that interview, I'd be honest with you, you don't have to agree with me. It doesn't matter. But I knew the voice of the Spirit of God. And I'm just driving and enjoying the sun. I, just, I was loving the day. And that thought floated in, and I smiled because I knew that voice. I knew that voice, and I said, okay, <laughs> I'm going to say it. <laughs> and I said it, and I watched before this woman just responded. And I said, look at that. But you see, that becomes the norm. This is the way, walk in it. That witness 
becomes your companion. What did Jesus say? Oh, I need to turn to this. Please, this is so important. So that you know I'm not dreaming. John 14. What did Jesus say? Verse 21. He that has my commandments and keeps them, he it is that loves me. But he that loves me shall be loved of my father. And here's the promise. I will love him and manifest myself to him. You know what that tells me? You and I can walk with God. It is not a mystery. But you see, the requirements are really very clear. If you have my commands, how do I know you love me? When you do them. And when you show me you love me, I promise I'll come to you. I'll reveal myself to you. But it gets better. I love this. Every time I read this, it warms my heart. Look at this. Verse 23. Jesus answered and said to him, Oh, the question was, Lord, how is it that you, verse 22, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered and said to him, if anyone love me, he will keep my word. <clears throat> and here it is, okay? You say, oh, that's hard. But look at the benefit. I love a reward. I love a benefit. What's, it, what's in it for me? <laughs> how many times do you, what's in it for me? If anyone love me, he will keep my word and my father will love him. And we, we will come to him and make our abode with him. We, the God of heaven, <laughs> the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ is willing <laughs> to give to that humble child of God. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what your credentials are. It doesn't matter what you've accomplished in life. All of that is irrelevant. But Spirit of God is saying, if you make your objective in your life to do my will, the Trinity will be involved in your life. I want that. I'm 62 years old. I need more of that. What about you? You say, brother, can I have that? Read your Bible, King James, ESV, whatever version you want. Well, that's got to go so far, but you know what I mean. <laughs> some versions are a little off the, you know, off the rails, but you get the point. The God of heaven is willing to manifest himself to a person, a human being made in his image and likeness, witness within the spirit. And I don't know what that will be like, but I know when I was going on that interview, I was... I, I was not on an interview. I have to tell you, I wasn't even being interviewed. I was just listening to the person talking to me because I knew before I walked out of that place, this belongs to me. I wasn't even concerned. Why? Because the requirements were met. Gets better. Okay, let's go on. Oh, mercy. <laughs> We're on part one. There are four parts. <laughs> oh, King Asa, there was reform. They removed the things that needed to be removed. I won't tell you what to remove in your life. I'm not here to, I'm not even gonna argue with you. But I tell you this, 
If you want to walk with God, if you want that promise that is in John 14, if you want to know what it is like for the triune God to take time out of running the entire universe and heaven and earth and take time for you, that he might reveal himself to you, beloved, make him and knowing him a priority. Reform, they rebuild it, verses 6 to 7. They re-engaged their relationship with God, verse 7. They came back to worshiping the way they understood worship in that day. The law, keeping the law, the sacrifices. By this point, Israel's life was skittish. The northern tribes were gone. The Assyrians came, wiped them out, took them away. So things weren't good. But here is this man saying, we have peace. Why? Because we made walking with God a priority. Faith was put with action and they lived it out. They lived it out. That's all this is. We believe what was written. The king did what he could. And he brought the people under his leadership. And he brought them back to God. And they did the things that showed that they were in fellowship with God. <laughs> And he knew that God gave him rest. And he took advantage of the opportunity. The time was short. The night is coming. And we could see in our nation, the night is arriving. Folks are crazy. Confused. Government gone mad. War breaking out. That tells you that there are things in the invisible realm that are happening. God is allowing things to move at a rapid pace. Be ready. For the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, be ready. Oh, beloved. But here's the, here's the linchpin. Most people stop there. And they want the peace. But you know what God sends? Trouble. Trouble. Test. And I want to say this as a caution. When trouble comes, it doesn't mean that we've necessarily sinned against God. No. Not if we know I am consciously walking with God. But you see, faith is a catalyst. Sometimes God has to purify it, like gold, Peter says. Has to take impurities out so that when, when you, you look at it, you can, you can see the image clearly. And God has to purify faith. And how does he do that? With problems, with challenges, with issues, with things we can't fix, solve, get over, remove. Verse... Eight, and Asa had an army that bore targets and spears. Of Judah, 300,000. Of Benjamin, that bore shields and drew bows, 280,000. So roughly a little over half a million men. Verse 9, and Zira the Ethiopians came out against him with a host, 1,000, 1,000, and 300 chariots. Essentially, a million men. Half a million versus a million, and the million had 300 chariots. <laughs> So you got foot soldiers and they got horses with chariots. He was outnumbered. Pay attention. Verse 10. And Asa went out against him, and they set the battle in array in the, in the valley of Zephathah near Marishah. And Asa cried unto Jehovah his God and said, Now, before we do this, I'm going to ask you a question. How well do you know your God? Do you know, and I say your God, because it's personal. It's personal. 
the relationship we have with our Lord Jesus is a personal relationship. He's the Son of God. The entire Trinity has come to come to engage in our lives. Spirit indwelling, Son standing before the Father on our behalf, we in Him, and the Father looks at us in Him and sees purity, sanctified people, perfect in Christ Jesus. You and I look at each other, flawed people. <laughs> he looks at us, perfect people. I prefer his, his view. <laughs> I look at you, some of you are the prettiest things. Yes, you are. <laughs> but look, outnumbered, and he said, Jehovah, it makes no difference to thee to help, whether there be much or no power. Translation, if I have a lot of money in the bank or don't have a lot of money in the bank, I'm coming to you, Lord. And it doesn't make a difference what my resources are. I'm coming to you. The verse that I just read in 2 Chronicles 14, the eyes of Jehovah run to and fro through the whole earth to show himself strong in the behalf of him whose heart is looking right to him. Perfect. That's all it is. You see, we talk about, I'm not perfect. God isn't looking for your perfection or mine. What he is looking for is a heart who looks to him in faith. I am not trusting my sister. I'm not trusting my brother. I'm not trusting the church. I wasn't even trusting the unemployment insurance that I pay for out of every paycheck. <laughs> no, beloved. I was looking to God and God alone. 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 And that's what this man is saying. It doesn't matter to you what our resources are. Look at it. Look at what he says. <laughs> we rely on thee. That's it. We rely on thee. Their life was spent rebuilding, removing the things that are displeasing to God, walking with God, getting the people to walk with God, influencing who he could, rebuilding the cities, fortifying, making sure that the, that the nation is secure. He did what he could. But when trial comes, when problems come, when issues come, when things that are bigger than me comes, and they will come, they came from God. <laughs> Why? Because God is interested in growth. You see, beloved, when I'm believing, when I'm putting my faith into action, when I'm working on obedience, God wants me to grow. To grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. To grow in our understanding of who God is. To grow in, in being able to tell people what God is like. They will look at you and say, how do you know so much about what God is like? It's here. Joseph, for an example, told his family his dreams. Rejected of his brethren. Sold as a slave. He was crying out. He was cut off. He's a teenager away from friends and loved ones. But God had a plan for this man. He was going to be the savior of that world from famine. God had a plan. God always has a plan. God put Pharaoh on the throne. He was killing the Hebrew children. But Moses' parents feared God, defied the king, saved the boy. I don't know what they were thinking when they put him in a basket and sent him down. Like, what were you thinking? All we're thinking is we're not going to kill this child. And God brought that little child right back into the kingdom, raised him up. And now, people who never read the book <laughs> know the name of Moses. <laughs> Go figure. That's God. And so this trial has come. 
And what is in this man's heart is now coming out. We rely on thee. So here's my question. When your trial comes, and it will come if it is not already here, can you say, I am relying on you? You know, I'll be clear. <laughs> At about $4,000 in my checking account. <laughs> and I didn't know when I was going to be working, but I know my I could be personal with you. My, my rent is $1,500. That ain't going to last very long. <laughs> I slept well at night because I know who I'm trusting. And now, perhaps around the end of the month, the first paycheck comes. And I look and I said, look at that. Still enough left over. I know who I'm trusting in the midst of the trial. This man says, it gets so sweeter. He says, not only we rely on thee, in thy name we have come against this multitude. Jehovah, thou art our God. Let not man prevail against thee. You know what I say? Is my, my, my rudimentary translation. How is it going to look when I fail and I'm telling people I'm trusting in you to provide? <laughs> How? Is, I said, Lord, and I told, I told the Lord, I said, I want, I said, you've given me a platform. I want to be able to tell people exactly what you do. I want them to see that they can trust you. But I said, if you fail me, how can I tell them about you? And you know what I do? I go to sleep because I'm smiling. You know, I'm smiling because I just want to see what God is going to do. And then when he does it, I said, look at that. I could tell people, you will not be impoverished. If you and I are looking to him and him alone and can say in the sincerity of our hearts, I am wanting to do your will. I want to carry it out. I'm looking to you. Like Peter, cast your net. I will provide. But it gets better. Oh, this is so sweet. And Jehovah, verse 12, smote the Ethiopians before Asa and Judah. And the Ethiopians fled. And Asa and the people that were with him pursued them to Gerar. And the Ethiopians were overthrown, that none of them were left alive. For they were crushed before Jehovah and before his army. And they carried away much spoil. Let's just pause there for a moment. You say to me, brother, what will happen? when I put my faith in action, I'll tell you exactly what's going to happen. You're going to see the results. You'll see it. Just like Peter, you will witness for yourself what God, I wish I could sit, I would love a meeting where I could just go through answers to prayer from the time I got saved to this day. And you will see for yourself that God cannot fail you, my beloved. He cannot fail you. I would tell the stories. I would laugh. Some of them would be amusing. I've seen God provide septic tanks. <laughs> I've worked in a branch for a bank. Nobody walked into the... We were between two of our bigger branches. Nobody walked into my office. Nobody. I remember one day we had... The, the, the company gave us quotas we had to meet. And this particular week, I had nothing to show. I was like... 
I went down to the men's room. I lie not. I closed the door and I sat on the toilet. I was dressed. I sat on the toilet. <laughs> so nobody would bother me and I prayed and I said oh God I called on you this morning we need to hear from you. oh beloved <laughs> I tell you the truth I stayed there 15 minutes they probably thought well I must have eaten something but I said Lord we got 30 minutes before the branches close it's a Friday we haven't met our quarter before I got upstairs God brought people in he brought people I stood there I, I had to walk away. I was in tears. One half hour, we had the week's quarter. When I locked that door, God had answered. God had answered. Had my quarter. The vice presidents couldn't figure out how this branch does business. <laughs> Nobody walks in. Prayer every morning on my knees. Oh, God, you fed them with manna. Give me what I need. Two years, I kept the records. Two years, I looked at it. I watched every month. I said, people would never believe God is interested in my business. My customers call upon me in the day of trouble. Oh, God be praised. Oh, let's go on. Oh, five minutes. <laughs> Asa had insight. Under his leadership, they grew. God wants us to grow. To grow in Christ-likeness. You'll find it at the end of Colossians chapter 1. We won't turn to it. But he says, Paul says, that they were working so that they would present every man complete in Christ Jesus. God wants growth. God wants holiness. Holiness. You say, what is holiness? Okay, here's holiness. This is old school. You won't see this in our stores today, but I remember <laughs> we were in church. I might have been about six years old, and I was sitting at the, the aisle seat. It was myself, my sister, my brother, my mom, then my dad. And I'm just a boy. You know, curious. I'm looking at everything moving, everybody twitching. I'm looking. I'm all like a flea. And out of the right corner of my eye, like a snake approaching, <laughs> was my father's hand. And when I did like this, he just bent his wrist and he said, pow! I don't know how he did it, but he, pow! I was about to bust out crying, and he looked at me. And that's all he did. And that choked it back. You know what he wanted? Holiness. He wanted me to behave. You say, what is holiness? Simple translation. Behave in such a way that God is pleased. That's it. Behave. You say, well, what does that look like? Okay. The New Testament gives us behavior. How to speak. How to sing. How to pray. How to fast. How to give. How to love. How to refrain. 
are to keep this temple clean. What to do? What not to do? It's really very simple, not complicated. It gets difficult because many of us just don't want to behave. He's holy. You know what Peter says in chapter 1 of his first letter? He says, be holy, for I am holy. And look at what Peter says. If you invoke as father, if you call upon God as father, if you and I pray to God as father, he says, pass the time of your sojourn in fear and reverence. Translation, my dad is still alive. My dad was militaristic in his discipline. I wasn't afraid of my dad, but I was afraid of displeasing my dad. <laughs> Why? because I know that his reaction would be swift. So I walked right. I lived carefully. And when I did bad things as a little boy, I mean, I wasn't saved at the time, I made sure dad didn't find out. But God is not like dad. In the last two minutes, live right. Live clean. Live in such a way I said this to a, a young friend of mine. They were trying to understand the whole our body being a temple and what does that mean? And, you know, give me 10,000 and one questions. And I said, okay. I said, you ever had anybody over to your house? He said, yeah. I said, how did you treat them? He went on to explain, you know, clean up the house and blah, blah, blah. I said, well, what did you do with your laundry? Well, I, you know, my laundry's smelly, so I, I washed everything. You know, he was just happy, having a good laugh about it. And I said, what about food? Well, he said, sometimes depending on who it is, I tell them, feel free to go into the refrigerator and this is your room. And, and I said, basically, you made your home comfortable for them. He said, yeah. I said, okay, good. I said, do the same for the Spirit of God. When he comes to live in you, since he is living in you, I said, when you turn on that television, he is watching what you are watching. Ask yourself, does he enjoy this? If the answer is no, change it or turn it off. When you open a book to read and you're enjoying the content, ask yourself, does he enjoy this? Because he is seeing it right through your eyes. And I just kept on going. And then you could see the light went on in his head like, I got it. I said, yeah, make sure that that divine guest is comfortable in this home. And when he is, he'll talk to you. He will make this word alive to you. He will open it to you. You will see things. I was telling my brother Alex this morning when he was when he opened the word and talking about the high priest and going in there. And he said, high priest never said a word. He never said a word. He only had to present the blood seven times. And I thought to myself, I said, you know, yeah, that's true. I, it never occurred to me. You be quiet in God's presence and give him his due. With the Spirit of God living in us, we ought to live in such a way that things are quiet in our home, <laughs> that he is comfortable in the home, that when he wants to speak to us, we are like Elijah. We are tuned to his still, small voice. When I was driving for that interview and singing in my heart and knowing that I had called on God for the weeks that passed, he could simply say, say to the person this. And I thought, yeah, that sounds good. I will say just that. And when I said the that, and she said the this, I realized it was him. And I said, look at that. And then after that happened, I waited because I knew what I prayed for the night before. And I'm talking, but, and I'll tell you this, and I will stop because it'll be two o'clock and we will still be here. <laughs> and thank God for low windows <laughs> or high windows. 
I was waiting to see if God had given me what I asked for. I literally, we're talking, but I'm waiting because I, this has happened before. And I want to say, I said, did, did she look? Did she look? Did she really look? Is it gonna? And I'm waiting and we're talking. I wasn't even paying attention to what we're talking about. And then when she looked at me and she said, you know, I, I saw your website. I said, I, beloved, I wanted to just jump and just, I, I would lose the job, but I had to say, I'd be like, hallelujah. I said, look at God. And then she said, I liked it. And you know what I said in my heart? Now she knows exactly the type of man she's about to hire. He is a devout Christian. Nothing hid. And I said, who would believe it? But I tell you this story, beloved, and we end here. I tell you this story. <laughs> Because I want to encourage you. It doesn't matter what the trial. It doesn't matter who the person. It doesn't matter what the circumstance. If you and I set our hearts to walk by faith in obedience, that opens the door for God to step into the arena of our lives and do something so marvelous in our lives that you will wonder. You will wake up in the morning ready to live, waiting. I remember my old job. I'll tell you this story that I've done. <laughs> I really am. The one that I got let go from, they have a process where they, they let you have an interview, half-hour interview with key leaders of the company. And this one particular interview is going to be with the CEO. I've never spoken with the CEO in the know what I'm going to say. Well, we started talking, and the thought comes, comes to me. He asked me a few questions, and the gentleman said, what makes you want to get up in the morning? Oh, wrong question. I said, I'm a project manager by, by practice. I said, well, listen, they hired me to, to be a project manager. You know what I said? Dummy me. It's not project management. <laughs> he looked at me like, hmm? <laughs> And then I opened my world to him. I said, you know, when I was in college, I started in a ministry and blah, blah, blah. And I went from there to, the, to this day. You know what the man said to me? He said, can you cancel your meetings for the rest of the afternoon? I'd like to continue this conversation. Two hours later, we just talked. I had this man laughing. You could see down his throat. Told him my testimony. Told him of my faith in Christ. Told him of the purpose to encourage Christians to live in the corporate world, to live their lives, how to live, how to know that God is. I mean, I just laid it out. Man wanted more. I said, look at God. Why do I tell you these stories? I'm just like you, flesh and blood. But Jesus said it in John 14. If you keep my commandments, I manifest myself to you. I'll show you who I am. And I'm here to tell you, beloved, when the Lord Jesus comes into the, the arena of our lives, life becomes exciting. Life becomes, I'm telling you, even when you're broke, life becomes exciting. Because I can't get any broker than I am, and he still provides. <laughs> Glory to God. Oh, beloved, let's pray. 
Oh, God is so good. Let's pray. Father in heaven, oh, we bless your name. We bless your name. We bless your name. Father, we thank you that you loved us and sent your son, your only son, to die for us, to bring us into fellowship with you. We thank you for every saint bowed in your presence today, here and in other parts of the world. Help us, oh God, to focus on walking in obedient faith. Manifest the character of your Son in our mortal lives. Help us in these dark times to be a bright, shining light for your glory and for the benefit of others. We ask this in Jesus' name. Thank you for joining Beside Still Waters podcast with Christian Javois. Beside Still Waters is the quiet moment in the stillness of God's presence to receive guidance, light, and grace to live by faith. I hope you've been helped and encouraged to press on living for the glory of God. It has been a pleasure and a privilege to connect with you on this podcast. To stay connected, please follow Christian Javois on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thanks for tuning in. And we will see you on the next podcast of Beside Still Waters.